So if any of you remember, Pastor Davis has been talking about prayer as well. He has this um, little book that he let uh, us borrow. It's called Forgotten Power. I know the, the Stropes have read it already. Uh, Sherry has read it. I was able to read it this weekend. So being out, you know, camping, put away your cell phone devices and all these other things, and you just get to sit by the fire and, and read and enjoy. It's been a long time. Uh, and I, uh, I love this book, so I would recommend that if anybody wants to borrow this, this is going around at our church. I'm going to read a couple of excerpts from this this morning, but if you want to read the book in its entirety, it's not very long. It's really short, 60-some pages, easy to read, but a very powerful book because it's talking about one of our greatest weapons against the enemy. It'll make you think of uh, what's going on in your own life, of what's going on in our church, of what's necessary in our world, in our society. Um, it spoke to me concerning some of the things that we're going to be coming up on. Um, some good questions to ask for the future, revolving around finding a permanent pastoral candidate for here. Um, so I'm just going to start this morning. I'm going to read a couple excerpts, and we're going to do a more practical approach this morning. We're going to take a look at some of the Psalms talking about prayer. One of the things that we hear, that I hear, um, some people are nervous about praying out loud. Some people are nervous because they don't think they're eloquent enough. They don't have the right words. Um, some people just fear of sometimes speaking in public with other people around. And so those are all things that are normal, valid things that people have, and I'm not knocking any of them. Um, but at the same time, we want to be working towards becoming more spiritually mature in our lives. And so we want to be working through some of these things because we realize that even as we sang this morning, where there is power, who is it? It's through Jesus Christ. He's the one that gives us power, and yet many of us feel powerless in our lives, whether it's dealing with specific sins that we might have, whether it's raising kids and just being at a law, I don't know what to do anymore. Um... All of these things that come up in our lives, it could be issues at work, it could be going to school, some of you just got done with finals and you're worrying about what was going to happen. Um, in all of those situations, in all areas of our life, God calls us to come to Him and He wants us to be in prayer about those things. And so I'm going to read a couple of excerpts uh, if you want to just listen, take it in, and we'll discuss how it applies to our lives, what we can do with it. So he starts off this book talking about Jesus called the church a house of prayer. If you recall him going in and seeing all the money changers in the temple, and he gets really angry and he tosses them over. It's because his house is supposed to be a house of prayer, not for people collecting all of these things and people making money off of other people who don't have all of these things. God never delighted in sacrifices. He delighted in, in people's hearts coming to him and being open and acknowledging who he was and who they were and how they couldn't live up to these things and how they needed God to, to move and behave on their act. And so... If anything marks a church, it should be prayer. And I think the Lord has impressed that upon my heart more and more given our situation over the last eight months or so of everything that has occurred. And even in the past couple of years, all the, the changes that have been made is if we are to move on, if we are to grow, if we're going to see anything of significance, it's not going to be because we get a pastor in here who can preach really well. It's not going to be because we offer the best children's program in, in this area. It's not going to be because we have things for everybody to do. It's not going to be because we offer coffee in the morning and Anthony brings in food. It's not going to be 
because we have a great worship team. It's not going to be because of any of those things, but it's going to be because people who come here, who make up the church, not this building, not the activities, not the program, it's going to be because people are praying. And they're seeking God's face. And we need to be doing that more so rather than less. And that's done individually and it's done corporately. And we try to make it a point on Sunday mornings to have all the prayer that we have. And it's because we recognize that it's not, it's not us. It's not, it's not me up here. It's not Rebecca as she sings or David as he plays. It's because the Spirit of God is moving and working. In this book by David Butts, he says this, talking about the, the house of God being a house of prayer. He says, there's much discussion and controversy today regarding the nature of the church. Is it missional, emergent, post-Christian, simple church, post-modern? The list goes on in our attempt to define and describe the church in these changing times. When you talk about what are we going to do, how are we going to act, how are we, all these different churches have different plans of attack to say this is how we're going to do this, this is how we're going to do this. But if they don't begin with prayer, it means absolutely nothing. The list goes on to describe the church in our changing times. Where in the midst of the discussions are the leaders who are asking the Lord what he is calling his church to be in these days? Could it be that the answer is almost too simple? What if the Lord is saying to us today that we are trying too hard to figure out something that has already been set before us? Catch the beauty of this. The Father has named his house a house of prayer for all nations. When we grab hold of this, it transcends the changing of cultures. We are a praying people. Praying people who walk in intimacy will God will change whatever culture in which they find themselves. We find ourselves in an ever-changing culture. We find ourselves on the precipice of laws being made, uh, even our rights as Christians to be taken away concerning our long-held beliefs on traditional marriage, on gender identity, on all of these different things. As we adhere to the scriptures, as culture says, we're evolving, we're changing, these things are normal, right, and good. We know that truth doesn't change. The word of God hasn't changed. It's not as if God, through the Spirit, through the men that he had ordained to write this book, said, well, you know, 2,000 years from now, we're going to have to rewrite this thing. He gave it once and once for all. And we have it because it is important as a, a guidebook for us to read. It's our his love letter to us to let us know how he moves, how he works, how he acts, what is true, what is wrong, what is evil, what is good. And just because the majority says this is the way it is doesn't make it right. You can be in the majority and be wrong. You can be in the minority and be wrong. Everybody can be saying the, every, every, the same thing and they could all be wrong if it's not what God has said. And so it's important to make that distinction as we talk about prayer, as we talk about what we need to be in prayer for, what God has called us to. It is not ever anything that departs from his word. If it departs from his word, it's not of God. In talking about prayer, he says this, God, Father, Son, and Spirit has invested something of great significance in prayer. It is his way of bringing about change on planet Earth and at the same time bringing sons and daughter to maturity. That's you and me. That his way of speaking with us, of communing with us, is us being in prayer with him. Understanding both his purpose and his ways will not only change your perspective on prayer, but also on the purpose and nature of the church. It is important to stress that this plan is of God and is an outworking of his sovereignty. 
He knows what he's doing. We don't always understand what he's doing, but he knows what he's doing. He is the omnipotent God and could have devised any plan to bring about his purposes on this planet. But in his sovereignty and wisdom, he chose prayer as his strategy. He chose to give mankind a role to play in accomplishing his purposes as a means of helping us grow to maturity. When you look at the Old Testament and you read what God is doing through the Israelites and all of the circumstances that they have handled, you see he's often acting and moving on their behalf when they are seeking his face, when they are on their knees in prayer. But when they get puffed up and proud and prideful and think, hey, we got here by our own hands, we got here by our own hard labor, we're good, we don't need God, we see that God plunged them into darkness, removed his hand of protection upon them, allowed people to come in and conquer them because they thought, hey, it's all about me. It's all about us. And we fall prone to the same exact sin of pride that they do. It's not any different thousands of years later. Humanity is humanity. Sin is still sin. We all deal with the same conditions. And how to handle that is to be in prayer. Mankind has a role. We see as these great men of God, whether it was Moses, who couldn't speak that well. There was David, who was a shepherd boy, wasn't very strong, wasn't very, uh, wasn't something to look at in terms of being a king, and yet he was chosen and did mighty things. We got all the various people. Paul, who was a persecutor. Peter, who couldn't keep his foot out of his mouth talking about things. God used all of these weird, insignificant people to bring about his purposes, and it was because God's power moved through them and they understood that. They didn't always get it right. We don't always get it right. But what was important was that when we didn't, they didn't get it right, when we don't get it right, they came to God. They came to him in prayer. And we're going to look at a couple of those things in, in the book of Psalms this morning. But instead of prayer being about God... Humans, as we most often do, we, we get it wrong. We made prayer about us instead of about God. We look to prayer to get us what we want. Prayer becomes our strategy for getting things from God. If we pray long enough, believe enough, gather enough others to join us, just maybe we'll get what we want. We've turned prayer on its head and wonder why it doesn't work very well for us. Right? If you've ever thought to yourself, why isn't this happening or why isn't God answering me? We might want to ask ourselves first, are we praying in accordance with God's word or are we praying for just the things we want? That's a good place to, to start. Martin Luther once said, prayer is not overcoming God's reluctance, but laying hold of his willingness. Think about that. It's not overcoming God's reluctance. We're not... It's, it's, if you kind of think about it, it's if you have smaller kids, for me at this point in my life, it's easy to associate those types of things. But putting myself in my kids' position, looking up at God, my kids, as they look up at me, they, they Daddy, I want this. Daddy, I want this. Daddy, I want that. Do I give my daughters everything they ask for? Casey's shaking her head. No. Not at all. Um, in fact, my daughter lost two rides yesterday because her attitude stunk. She was not happy about it. But she was disciplined for it. She lost the things that she wanted to do. But it's not overcoming my... God's reluctance, just like my daughter's not trying to overcome my reluctance and be like, no, I really don't really don't want to give that to you. I really don't want you to have fun. I really don't want you to enjoy yourself. I mean, as a parent, have you ever, I don't want to make your life miserable. But some of us think God is, is like that sometimes, is he's this great big guy who sometimes seems unapproachable, and sometimes we think, oh, he's too busy with everything else going on around the world for us to bother him about certain things. 
and we miss who God is, and we miss what he wants from us. God's omnipotent, all-powerful. He's, he's everywhere. He knows everything. Being outside of his creation, being outside of time and space, he's able to deal with all of us, and that's what makes him so amazing. And so it's not as if we're overcoming his reluctance to give us good things, but we're laying hold of his willingness. He gives this example. One of the very best biblical examples of this truth is found in the Old Testament book of Ezekiel. The people of Judah and Jerusalem had continued to sin against the Lord and reject the word of the prophets. So finally, it was time for the consequences of sin to be poured out on the land. Yet, even then, the Lord desired for mercy to triumph over judgment. But for the Lord to do what he wanted, which was to show mercy, it would take someone to ask him. God had decided to connect his work on earth with the prayers of his people. In Ezekiel 22, verse 30, it says, I looked for someone among them who would build up the wall and stand before me in the gap on behalf of the land so I would not have to destroy it. But I found no one. Sometimes we, we use that phrase, in Christian circles, we're looking for someone to stand in the gap. And that's what we're talking about. Someone who's willing to stand to beseech God on other people's behalf. When we talk about when we pray for our nation, we're standing in the gap for our nation. When we talk about praying for our lost friends, our relatives, maybe it's our sons or daughters, maybe it's our, our grandkids, Whatever the case may be, maybe it's co-workers. We're talking about standing in the gap. God looking for someone to be praying on their behalf. To seek his face concerning these things. This rich verse helps us understand the dealings of God with mankind. Not just in this situation, but for all time. Unrepentant sin has consequences. In this case, it was the destruction of Jerusalem. But the verse also reveals the compassionate heart of the Father, showing that he is, even now, looking for ways to not destroy them. God has, however, tied his workings to the prayers of his people. So we find the all-powerful creator looking for an intercessor, someone who would stand in the gap and cry out on behalf of the land so that God might pour out his saving power. None are found and the city is destroyed. We find the ultimate example of this in Christ as Scripture tells us that he continually intercedes on our behalf as he sits next to his Father. He prays for us. He intercedes for us. It's because of his work on the cross that we get the privilege of interceding on others' behalf. We get to walk in his footsteps. That just as he has interceded for us, that my sacrifice was sufficient. My blood covers their sin. It is no more. It wipes it out. We get the awesome privilege, as uh, Peter tells us in his book, that we get to be partakers of the divine nature by being able to preach the gospel, by being able to tell others about it, and by being able to intercede on others' behalf. But what we most often see in the church is a lack of power. We, we talk about power. We sing about power. We preach about power. But how many of us feel powerless? Right? When we talk about chains being broken, God's going to break chains. Some people are like, I got chains God can't break. I got things I've been dealing with for 10 years, 20 years, 30 years. God can't change that, can he? Yeah, he can. If you believe there is power. One of the, the statements that he said is this, opening your meeting with prayer is not the same as seeking the face of God. <clears throat> So even as we, we pray in the beginning, we open, we pray during the thing, we pray for our missionaries, it's because it's not just something that we're engaged in to say, 
we want to make click click this off this list. Okay, we prayed this morning. We don't need to, we don't need to do that anymore. But the reason why we I pray we I try to pray in the morning before we start. As Rebecca or Amber are up there, they pray in between songs. As we take our break and we pray for our, our missionaries around the world. As we take our offering, we ask for prayer and a blessing. Sometimes before the sermon, we pray and ask God's blessing on the minister who is bringing the word of God. At the end of service, we pray to close us, not to just say, okay, that's, that's the, the capstone on the day. We can say we're done. But it's because there's a recognition there that if anything of significance comes out of meeting, of gathering together as a group of believers, it's going to be because we prayed and we sought God, believing that he was going to move and work. This is what he said. The most obvious danger of prayerlessness is the lack of real power in the church today. We speak of power, sing of power, and yet see very little power in our lives. The source of spiritual power is, of course, God. But that power will not be realized in our lives apart by the amazing connection to God called prayer. It is prayer that provides the channel through which the power of God runs into and through our lives. S.D. Gordon said this, The great people of the earth today are the people who pray. I do not mean those who talk about prayer, nor those who say they believe in prayer nor those who explain prayer, but I mean those who actually take the time to pray. They have not time. It must be taken from something else. That something else is important, very important and pressing, but still less important and pressing than prayer. There are people who put prayer first and group the other items in life schedule around and after prayer. There are people today who are doing the most for God in winning souls and solving problems and awakening churches and supplying both men and money for missions posts in keeping fresh and strong their lives far off. In fact, sacrificial service on the foreign field where the thickest fighting is going on and in keeping the old earth sweet a little longer. Those are the people that put prayer first. I like where he says the, we, we don't have time. Right? <clears throat> that's, that's one of the excuses I, I hear that I've, I've used myself. I'll tell you when I was growing up as a kid, I never thought much about prayer, honestly. Even as I got older and was a teenager and even college and coming back to my home church where my parents attended and went to a couple of prayer meetings and you look and you see, you know, the pastor and, and two or three other people and you're like, why are we here? And yet my perspective is entirely different now as I'm older and I'm in the same situation. It's a different church. It's a different group of people. But we come on Wednesday night, and it's the same thing. It's uh, the pastor and a few other faces. And yet, my mindset isn't, why are we here? My mindset is, we may be small, but God, you are big. It is, God, we pray that more people would get a hold of the necessity of prayer. Because we're never going to, and it's not about, I'll tell you right, it's not about filling these seats. But what is it about is that when we see different faces in these seats, as we see different people walk through those doors in the morning or have conversations with people during the week, it's about seeing lives change that so we can give glory to God. Not because I was so smart with my words, because quite often I bumble it up anyways, right? Take note, last week I couldn't get anything right. I didn't know what, what missed so many announcements. But somehow through all of that, God works. And it's a testament not to ourselves, but it's a testament to who God is. And he uses even our worst attempts at changing lives. But it's us attempting these things. 
being faithful in these things. And so our mindset on Wednesday is, God, we, we want you to we want to see you move. We want to see you work. And when he talks about time, I can be doing tons of other things. The others that come out can be doing other things. I'm sure my wife would like to see my house done, but that ain't going to change for a while. Our house. I always do that. Sorry. It's our house. <clears throat> Tons of other things, but we need to recognize what prayer means for us. And it's talking to our Heavenly Father. It's We always relate that. It's the same relationship. If I, if I don't talk to my kid... I don't talk to Camille and I don't talk to Mackenzie. I'm not going to know what's going on and, and what they're doing and what they're excited about, what they're not excited about. My daughter has a dance recital this afternoon, and she's so excited because it's the last time she's going to dance. Because <laughs> every week she's had, I don't want to go to dance class. Dad, when can we go back to gymnastics? I don't want to go to dance. Honey, you need to finish out dance. But if I don't talk to her... <clears throat> You're not going to know these things. I can just throw her in dance next year and be like, well, I didn't know you didn't like it. What happened? You didn't tell me anything. If she didn't talk to me, I didn't talk to her, you wouldn't know. Same thing with our Heavenly Father. If I'm not talking to him. If you're not talking to him, he's not talking back to you. Are you going to be very powerful? Are you going to have any strength? Are you going to be able to overcome sin in your life? Are you going to be able to handle the stresses that come up that day? Are you going to be able to handle your kids when they're not behaving and you get frustrated and you're as a parent sometimes we do that, right? Sometimes we rely on technology. Here, take my phone. You'll be quiet for a little while. Well, that's not what God wants of us to to kind of disconnect. He wants us to get reconnected, recharged. PMBC, the, the camp that I work at, had one of those shirts uh, with the graphic, Get Plugged In. Your source of power comes from God. And it's remembering, remembering those things. A couple more and then we're going to look at a psalm. One of the things... Coming up, Pastor Davis was supposed to, to begin uh, getting into Acts chapter 1 this morning. And so one of the things he has asked us to do is to read ahead. And I know some of you already do that. And so if you don't, this week coming up, take the time, start reading, start in Acts 1, get yourself acquainted with it. But it works perfectly because we're looking at the formation of the church. We're looking at how the church all started, how God moved and worked. And what you're going to notice is that it didn't start apart from prayer. Nothing happened apart from prayer. As I read the book of Acts, he says, the author says this, I am encouraged that they were not a perfect church. You're going to find that out as you read about them. If they were a perfect church, I would not try to, to be like them. But scripture presents the early church with all of its flaws as a group of praying people who follow Jesus in the power of the Holy Spirit. As they trusted the Lord to work through them, and as they prayed, they changed the world around them. The same promise is before a praying church today. It hasn't changed. When we read about Pentecost, when we read about what Peter and the other disciples were doing and how God moved and how people were coming to the Lord, the same power that existed then that began all of that, even though it's thousands of years later, it's the same power today that has the same abilities today to do the same things in people's hearts today. It's not as if people are more hard today than they were back then. And I know we say we live in a difficult area, and we do, but it's because we're still all dealing with the same sinful nature of humanity, of selfishness, of our own desires. 
But what God is looking for is people to stand in the gap and be in prayer. And it's not going to be easy. And as this church begins to pray, you will see opposition. As you in your own lives pray more, read more, get more acquainted with God, you'll probably see more assault on yourself. That's a good thing. I've always heard if everything's just glowing and nothing's ever going wrong and everything just seems to fall into place, you might want to step back, evaluate, and ask yourself, am I, am I really living for the Lord? Because we should expect opposition. We should expect things in our lives and trials and difficulties. And even sometimes the minor things. Or thing, you know, all of a sudden you start praying and you start seeking God's face and you start seeing him move and work and you're taking time to do these other things and then, oh, your car breaks down. Not able to get to, not able to, get to, to church or prayer or you're worried about your finances and different things and you, you miss a week and then you might miss another week and you might miss and it might, that's opposition. And we need to recognize opposition of the enemy in our lives. Because prayer is so powerful. The opposition of Satan to prayer comes because prayer is a powerful spiritual weapon given to Christians that unleashes the power of Jesus Christ and can bring defeat to our enemy. We must always realize, as we sang, you have no rival, you have no equal. Sometimes when you're talking to people, they think God, Satan, same, same plane. God's good, Satan's evil. Good versus evil, right? They, they're kind of 50-50. You know, little angel, devil, little angel, yeah. Little devil, little angel. Well, he's still he, he's of the angelic order, but he's a fallen angel. So fallen angel, good angel. There we go. But we think of it as... And it's presented to us in media and various other formats as equality. They're, they're on the same, same field. They're not. God is up here. Satan, he's way down here. He's got, he's got no power except the power that we willingly give up. That's what it comes down to. It's us willingly giving over to him power that he does not have. And the way for us to realize that we do have power is to be in prayer. Not my strength, God, but your strength living with him. You've already defeated him. You've already won. When we sang back, thinking of the Easter songs, you've defeated the grave. It has no claim. You are the victor. All these different things. We need to remind ourselves of those things. But one of the, the biggest things is reading this. Is he talks about some of the uh, opposition of Satan, and one of his tactics is apathy, and I think this is in the, of the church in general. First of all, he uses one of his favorite weapons, talking about Satan, apathy. If people don't care about prayer, they will never give themselves to it. Right? Apathy is created by a failure to understand the purpose and power of prayer. If you believe that prayer doesn't really change it, and it won't matter much to you if you pray or don't pray, right? How many times, and I hear this from people that don't understand, but how many times have you heard in your own life or talking with somebody, you know, I prayed about that, but I didn't, I didn't get the answer I wanted, or I didn't, I didn't get an answer to that. And so the assumption is prayer doesn't work. I'm not going to pray, right? That's a tactic of, of the enemy. If he can make us apathetic towards prayer, if he can make us discouraged by praying to our Father, then it will be weak, and he can go and visit somebody else because we're not living in power, so it really doesn't matter. He's finite, so he can only bother one person at a time, and we don't know how many of fallen angels went with him, but we know that he has those, but they're finite. They're created, just like us, different but created. But he doesn't need to concern himself if he's already won the, that battle to say, hey, they, 
they don't really care about prayer. I guess I really don't have to worry about them. As a congregation, apathy will make prayer an option for those who desire it, and most will choose to opt out. It's a discouraging statement. I brought this up in the beginning. Sometimes it's fear. Fear is another great weapon of the enemy in so many areas of life, but especially in prayer. Many Christians are afraid to pray out loud. That usually keeps them from attending any sort of prayer gathering. Of course, out loud verbal prayer is not a requirement, but its lack and the fear that goes with it is a huge detriment to becoming a praying church. To combat that, we need first of all to make our prayer gathering safe places for those who are learning to pray. Never call on someone to pray publicly with whom you have not checked with or whom you know has done it before. Or yeah, Not putting people on the spot and be like, hey, pray. It is a real fear, but it is a fear that we can overcome. Pride prevents fear. If we are not in a place of humility before God, prayer will have no attraction for us. Self-centeredness, unforgiving spirit. That was another one that spoke. It says, if an unforgiving spirit is not just a hindrance for an individual in prayer, but can prevent powerful prayer in a congregation. Unforgiveness in a congregation over hurts, real or imagined, often stops people from praying because they know that things are not right. And for those who press on in prayer but still hold on to unforgiveness, there is no promise of the Lord to hear and respond to our prayers. The scriptures talk about that. Sometimes if you feel like your prayers are hitting on the wall, sometimes you might want to take a step back, reflect, and think, hey, is there something in my life that is preventing my prayers from being heard? Because God does not honor some prayers. What he desires, Scripture tells us, is a broken and contrite heart in Psalms, coming before him, recognizing who he is. Part of that is if we have unforgiveness, we're not following in the footsteps of Christ, whom Many people say struggling with they don't deserve it. Did we deserve forgiveness? Did we deserve to be called children of God? Did we do anything to warrant? Some people say, well, they have to make the first step. Did we make the first step? Not at all. God, in his grace, did those things. In his mercy towards us, did those things first. There were Romans 5.8. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. There was nothing that warranted him to do that. But because of his great love for his people, he desired to. There's a lot of, lot of good things in this book. And so if you want to borrow it next and, and run through that, give you some things to, to think about. Mike's got it next. <laughs> But as we, we talk about prayer and as we're growing and, and doing these things, one of the, the things it talks about is praying through Scripture. And I, I believe that wholeheartedly. As we, we Our songs that we sing, they're Scripture-based. As you look at the Psalms, you'll as you begin to read them, you'll see some of the things we see, some of the lyrics that you see over and over, it comes from the Word of God. We're singing to God what He has already told us. One of the easiest ways to learn to pray and to get better at praying and even praying out loud is to just take the Psalms and go through them and praying these things back to God. And so um, we're going to do that this morning and look at that. We're not going to get to look at all of these. Um, and so I'll, I'll talk about just a few of them if we're not going to, you don't need to turn to these, but. Later on, if you want to look at some of these, so Psalm 51, talk, it's a prayer for forgiveness. Psalm 32 is along the same line. Psalm 51 is, is David talking about this great man of God after his uh, sinfulness before God comes to him to ask for forgiveness about being with uh, Bathsheba, all of those things. And so if you're dealing with sin in your life and you're not sure what to pray, that's a good way, where to, place to go to say, hey, 
I find myself in the same situation. I'm dealing with sin. God, I need to come before you. I need to confess things to you. Praying, praying back to God the things that he has already taught us. This morning, uh, I believe it was, uh, I believe Rebecca did Psalm 25. Nope, wasn't that one. It was one of the ones I have <clears throat> listed here. Maybe it was Psalm. Anybody remember what it was? She's not up here. She read one of the Psalms this morning, but as we, quite often as we are worshiping, they'll open with one of the Psalms, and it's a beginning prayer. Um, for us as a congregation to hear, as us for a congregation to listen to and think about before we come to God to sing him our praise, to sing him our songs. But it's as easy as even just starting from the beginning. So if you're in Psalms, you can just turn right to Psalm 1. So if you're at home with your family and you want to do this, it's as easy as you can take any of the psalms, and it's about praying the scripture back to God. And it's not about making up your own words, but looking exactly what he talks about and picking up the different themes that are there. So if we were to look at Psalm 1, if you would just read it, it's, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does he prospers. The wicked are not so, but are like chafe that the wind drives away. Therefore the wicked will not stand in the judgment nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. If you're looking at that by yourself and you're thinking of being in prayer to God, what for me it's as simple as wanting to be like that tree. Lord, I want to be a tree planted by streams of water. I want you to, to water me through your word, that I would yield fruit that my life would be lived for you, that my leaf does not wither, that I wouldn't go away from you and be away from a source of sustenance where I get my food and, and water, where I grow healthy, where I grow mature. I don't want to, to wither away. Lord, I want to be able to prosper in what I do and what you have called me to do. Help me not to, to surround myself with people that don't honor you who walk not in the counsel of the wicked. Father, if I'm dealing with things in my life, help me to go to godly people who will give me godly wisdom, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. Lord, help me to not go down that path. Even as I would read the Proverbs, talking about him giving instructions to his son, look where your feet are going. Father, I want to look where my feet are going, and I want to be... Led by you, your word tells me, your word is a light to my path. Lord, let me walk that good path. Let me delight in your law, O Lord. Let me be able to meditate it on day and night. And I, It may be a time of confession there for you. Lord, I don't meditate on, on your word enough. And so, Lord, can you help me do that? Can you help me look at your word each day, Lord, and teach me? Teach me your word. Let me meditate on it. Let it be my delight. Sometimes it seems like hard work, right? As you're reading scripture, sometimes you're just not into it. But Lord, can you take that hard heart of mine in that area and can you change it so I would delight in you? So I come to you, I'll be refreshed like this tree. <clears throat> 
Lord, you know the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. As we read those, that's some a lot of different themes come into play, whether it's God, I, it seems like the wicked prosper, and you'll read that in other Psalms. But you are the one who stands in judgment, and they will come to account. Or it can be, Lord, I know some people like that, and they need prayer. And I'm going to stand in the gap at this moment and, and pray for them. It's taking that little portion of Scripture. It's only six verses long. But it's a powerful thing to do and to just pray those same themes that God has given us and praying it back to Him and us aligning our hearts and our minds with the things that are on His heart and His mind. Why did Psalm 2, why do the nations rage and the peoples plot in vain? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointing, saying, Let us burst their bonds apart and cast away their cords from us. He who sits in the heavens laughs, and the Lord holds them in derision. Can you imagine that? Gosh, you're up there. <laughs> right? We, th we think so, people think so great of themselves, our, ourselves included sometimes, and God's just you know that's not the case, right? Have you ever, have you ever, I mean, in your own life, you've seen people do some silly things and you're just like, don't they know any better? Do they think anything's going to change? He says, then he will speak to them in his wrath and terrify them in his fury, saying, as for me, I have set my king on Zion, my holy hill. I will tell of the decree. The Lord said to me, you are my son. Today I have begotten you. Ask of me and I will make the nations your heritage and the ends of the earth your possession. You shall break them with a rod of iron and dash them in pieces like a potter's vessel. Now therefore, O kings, be wise, be warned, O rulers of the earth. Serve the Lord with fear and rejoice with trembling. Kiss the son lest he be angry and you perish in the way. For his wrath is quickly kindled. Blessed are all who take refuge in him. The themes in there that stand out, one of the things we do on Wednesday as we come to prayer, we pray for the nation, pray for our nation. We pray for Trump, we pray for Mike Pence, we pray for our elected officials, our governors, our senators, and we pray for the elected officials over us because they make some pretty important decisions on our behalf. Not always good ones. But the only thing that's going to change that is prayer, is God moving and working in their lives. And this is a good thing to say. You know, king, the kings of the earth, they set themselves, the rulers take counsel together, but they're doing it against the Lord. We see that. And we need to pray about that. As he says, kings be wise. Father, would you make our, our, our ruler, our elected officials wise? Would you give them wisdom to see the truth, will you open up their eyes to see the effects of the things that I are doing? To be fearful of you? So as you take the different psalms, you see all of these different things. And so you can find different, if you're dealing with different things in your life, if you need encouragement, look for words of encouragement from the psalms and pray those things back to God. If you're dealing with loss, it's the same thing. If you're dealing with one of the things that uh, they talked about on uh, the marriage retreat that we were on is in Psalm 127, and that uh, spoke to me. But this is important for, for us as a church, and it's important for families, and it's important uh, for whether you're single, that the work that we do isn't about us. It says, unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. It is in vain that you rise up early and go late to rest, eating the bread of anxious toil, for he gives to his beloved sleep. Never stay awake and think of all those things going on at night and you're worried about, what am I going to do about finances or what am I going to do 
my car broke down or what am I going to do? I just lost a job or what's going to happen? You know, you're dealing with unruly kid. How am I, how am I going to, how my kids going to learn these things? How am I going to afford medication or a medical bill or procedures or different things? You're thinking about all those things. And what he's saying, you know, we're watchful of all of these things, but unless the Lord is over us helping us, we're, we're wasting our time. Unless the Lord builds the house, we're laboring in vain. We're wasting our time. If the Lord's not in it, what are we doing? Why are we here? And the second half of that talks about children. Behold, children are a heritage from the Lord, the fruit of the womb, a reward. Like arrows in the hand of a warrior are the children of one's youth. Blessed is the man who fills his quiver with them. He shall not be put to shame when he speaks with his enemies in the gate. Talking about what a wonderful blessing children are. And thinking of those things, that's great. Because sometimes we, your kids annoy you enough to think, you ever hear that phrase, I brought you into this world and I can take you out? Right? You're joking about it, but something in your head is there. I've never can I? Before. I no? I think you made that up. I did not make that up. <clears throat> but remembering, remember, reminding yourselves of these things. Um, children, children are a blessing. They're not a pain. In the, even, even for us as a church, thinking about these things, when you got little ones running around, and for parents, we're always like, man, would you quiet? Shh. Don't be so loud. You're going to bother somebody. Don't bother anybody. Right? But how many times I've had many of you here, kids are fine. They're kids. They make noise. They do all these things. And as parents, are just like, uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> but it's a good reminder for us that these children are a blessing. And I've always loved hearing, um, you know, when you you see the children and you hear their cries and whether they're screaming and sometimes people get annoyed by that. But you see there's life there. I mean, this is the next generation that is, is coming up that is being raised. And so there's an importance there to realize these children are a blessing and we need to be investing. And it doesn't matter how old you are, you can invest in these kids' lives. So that was one of... One of the, the great things growing up in the church as a kid, I grew up in the church. I had this huge family around me. We all knew each other. All my friends were from the church. All our houses were close enough that my mother said, you know, you can ride your bike to their house. I would ride from Miners Mills to Parsons to East End. My mom, it would be fine. Yeah, today it's a little different, but back then it was a little easier. But we all knew each other. I knew everybody on the street. My father knew everybody. Um, and we were raised by not just our parents, but I was raised by other individuals in the church, other, whether it was the pastor and his wife or my friend's parents, uh, because they all poured into me as I was growing up. A lot of them were Sunday school teachers, and so they would be teaching you in various ways, but it's the same for us today. Now, we might not have all of the programs and all of the different things, but as you come in on Sunday and as you talk to the kids, as you interact with them, as you build a relationship with them, you'll be able to pour into their lives as they grow older and speak truth and help them. Some kids are not comfortable talking with their parents about everything going on, right? But if you have other godly men and women in the church who you can say, hey, can you, can you talk with my son or my daughter about this? They're struggling with this. It might be a little more comfortable, but it's because God has blessed us with a family. But it all begins with prayer. Individually, at home, and corporately as a church. And so God has just been impressing upon my heart more and more that for us as we move forward, for us as we look for a permanent pastor, 
we need to be in prayer as a congregation for those things now. Not, not later when we think about it. And we'll start talking about that come July and different things and what's going to go on with that. But he wants us to be in prayer now. God, who do you have for us? Just this morning, the band was praying for that. As we walked in a little late and they were already praying, that was what they were praying for. God, we don't know who you have for us, but can you bring him to us? Whom you have already placed, whom you have on your heart, whom you have called. Would you make that apparent to him and to us? Now, in the book, one of the things it talked about, talk about a pastoral candidate. How many of us ask a pastoral candidate about his prayer life? A lot of times it's, you know, what seminary did you attend? What's your theological background? Do you What do you adhere to in certain things? And I'm like, yeah, I would go through all that list too. Um, but how often do we ask, how's your prayer life? Good question. Good question for us this morning. How's your prayer life? Do we need to reevaluate, take time, step back, and say, God, I haven't been doing a good job. Can you help me? And so this morning, I wanted a little practical way of, as you go home this week and as you talk with your family and as you go back, it's as easy as opening up your book and just praying these things back to God and begin to develop a prayer walk with Him. For some people, they'll journal about it. That's part of what the wall I want for a physical representation. A prayer journal is a great way individually. All right, even looking back and rereading over what you just wrote, is this, is this what is on God's heart? Or do I need to change this? Or this lines up good, and I see the answer of, of God answering that prayer. One of the stories, which was awesome, talking about the power of God, one, one community decided we're going to take the hardest person we know in our community. We're all going to pray for that one person. And they prayed for that person, and the story says he eventually came to the Lord. You know what they did after he came to the Lord? They prayed for the next hardest person. And after he came to the Lord, they prayed for the next hardest person. And it's all because of prayer, because there's power in prayer. So let us close this morning in prayer. Lord, you are good and awesome and mighty and powerful. I, even as we sang to you this morning, there's power in the name of Jesus. What a beautiful name. And it is so beautiful, Lord. And Father, we need to be taught by you. Even as we think about prayer and look at the life of Christ as we read your word, we see how he spent time with you. And we need to do the same, Lord. Impress it upon our hearts more. Let us come under your guidance and direction, Lord. Pour out your Holy Spirit upon us to desire the things that you desire. Help us both individually and corporately to come to you. Because we desire to see our communities reached. We desire to see our lost family members come to you. We desire to see our kids and grandkids be raised in the knowledge and the fear and admonition of the Lord. That what mom and dad or, or grandma or grandpa say is not just words, but it's something that we truly believe in, something that we truly model for them as they see our lives. Father, help us to model that in our lives. Help us to model it for coworkers, to model it for nephews or nieces for neighbors down the street. Often we think we're more connected as a world because we're able to get to this place faster. We're able to talk to this person who lives thousands of miles away, and yet we find that we're more introverted and we're losing the ability to communicate effectively because of our technologies. Lord, our desire is to, to be effective, is to be fruitful, as, as Psalm 1 tells us, to be 
a tree planted by streams of water that is refreshed, that finds its sustenance in you, that grows strong and tall, that does not wither, that does not fade. As we sang this morning, the, the grass will wither, but your word remains. The grass will wither and the flowers will fade, but your words remain, Father. We recognize that what you have set out for us will not end. It remains unchanged. You remain unchanged. And so we pray that we would be people who stand in the gap this morning for our nation, for our families, for our church, for our neighborhood, for unborn children, for the atrocities that happen in our world, that we would be people who would stand in the gap to seek your face and that your hand would move and work. And we give you all the praise and all the glory. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.